Hi, I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. And I'm Vanessa Cassani. And we are The Meadow Report. So what we try to do is to bring to you, our listener, a modern take on the tribal method of communication where women would go out into the meadow and find their resources and bring it back to the tribe. And they always had a little story to share with whatever it is that they brought back. Go here, or they shared the information, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's what we want to do. We want to bring to you, our listener, the cool things that we run into in our lives and share it with you. Yes, and we have a variety of guests that come to the podcast. Every week we have a guest. So recently we've interviewed um, Georgie Holbrook. She's a healer. And Ana Rojas Bastidas, who just opened up a swimsuit line. And then today we just finished a recording with Victoria Garcia. She's a, a photographer. That's what the Metal Report is. So listen to us. Yeah, and like and share and subscribe. I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and this is the Metal Report. Today, Vanessa couldn't join us. She went out of town. But I am here with a very good friend of mine, Melanie Bragg. Melanie is... So I met Melanie from I Know Somebody Houston. And I think you came to an event. Yeah. I don't even remember exactly when. It feels like I've been we've been friends forever. Yeah, I know. So, it was a long time ago. But I think I just came because I was very interested in what you were doing uh-huh. and very impressed about your just your dedication to helping young women. And I think we just kinda like talked afterwards and it just but you're one of those people for me, it was an instant connection. Yeah. And it was very easy. And it's been that way. Um, So I've asked Melanie to join us because um, recently she's published a book, her second book. This one is a third book. This one is a nonfiction. Um, It's called Defining Moments. Insights into the lawyer's soul. Insights into the lawyer's soul. (laughs) Because lawyers do have souls. (laughs) That's the the book. Jack Canfield, you know, the co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I got the idea for this book when I said to him, I said, Hey, Jack, why haven't you done a Chicken Soup for the Lawyer's Soul? And he kind of looked up at the ceiling for a second and he quipped. He says... Well, I thought it would kind of be like that book, What Men Know About Women. You'd open it's it up in blank, blank yes. pages. And I really, <laughs> at that evening, my feelings got hurt. I mean, I was really like, wait a second. The lawyers that I've worked with all these years are some of the most philanthropic, generous, giving people that I've ever known. And so I just really wanted to show, you know, a good side of us. And so I began to interview my good friends, many of my good friends who were very successful. And I found out some of their frailties and some of their bumps in the road and some of their things that happened and they're just and created a leadership model for the book. In any industry, you know, there's really good people and there's assholes. I mean, across the board and soulless people. I, I know quite a few attorneys and I'm, I have a lot of really good friends. None that I like as much as you, of course, but... <laughs> yeah, and, and the lessons, the, the, the lead lines are success principles for anyone. Like one that I love right now is uh, speak truth to power. Okay, and there's a reason to do that, or tell the truth no matter what the cost. There's a reason to do that too. So, you know, heroes, if you want to walk in the hero archetype in your life, you're going to do things that aren't perfect all the time, and you're going to have situations. But at the, at the end of the day, if you can look yourself in the mirror and sleep good at night, that's Integrity. Kind of the point. Yeah, but so you were telling me before we started. Um, sort of what you wanted to do with the book what you wanted it to you wanted it to leave a legacy or you we were talking about leaving a legacy right and i think that the book sort of you know 
goes into that. Like what, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? Like what is, what did you mean by leaving a legacy and what is the legacy you want to leave? Well, okay. So, um, lead lines, each story in the book has what I call a lead line, like maximize opportunities, uh, adapt to change. So each story is you know, around a lead line. Mm-hmm. And then I broke lead into four parts, legacy, excellence, authenticity, and determination. Because I feel like those are really four great characteristics that are true signs of a leader. So in the area of legacy, you know, a lot of times people think their legacy is, you know, birthing children or leaving a big bank account or something like that. But I really feel, I look at legacy as a living, breathing thing that is going on all the time. Like when you stop and you take the time at the Whole Foods to help the little old lady who can't reach the potato chips at the top of the aisle. Or when you help somebody do something in the elevator. I mean, just those little daily acts in life are your legacy. And I think everything matters. I mean, everything from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. And sometimes we, especially driven people, they they, want to just, you know, let's achieve another goal. Let's achieve another goal. And you get to that goal and you don't even enjoy the fact that you've gotten there because you're so busy trying to get to the next one. So I'm just really wanting people to and, and and thinking about just enjoying and and accepting your own legacy day by day not as something that's off in the future mm-hmm. and I love that I love that whole thing I just think that it's um it is really important and I guess you know you and I are of a certain age <laughs> at a place in our life and I do think that you think a little bit more about what am I leaving you know I just turned 60 um, a couple of days ago, so it's like I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, That's it was a big a, transition. That it was is a, a big, big birthday. It's a big transition. It in was. a way, there's so much freedom and there's so much joy, and then there's there's some fear that can come in. A lot, oh, of fear. yeah. How am I going to be relevant? How am I going to? Does anybody need me anymore? Yeah. Am I just getting started? You know, I'm just getting right. started. But am I limited? And I don't think we are limited. I mean, I think it's really it's. I have enjoyed my 60s more than. Just think of all the angst from your 20s and 30s. I mean, you don't you don't know it now. Now we know when hard things come, we're going to make it through right. because we've been through it. And right. when, you're, when you're young, you're, you not don't positive, know that. you're not positive. And so really, I want my legacy to be, uh, hopefully in some of the things that I've written, but also just as a day-by-day thing, as somebody who cared enough to slow down and not run everybody off the road uh, and help them if they needed it. And just also make my life a meaningful life every day. Yeah. You know, that's what it really boils down to is just making, enjoying your life every day. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons that I thought about you and wanted to have you on the show is because you do so many things, um, which is, again, what also draws me to you. So you're an attorney. You are an author. You're always working on something. You do mindfulness workshops. Um, you also are, I think you're still associated with the either the Houston Bar Association or the American Bar Association. Oh, yeah. Big, or both. Big time, big time. Yeah, yeah. Or and, <laughs> or, and. Yes. And, and. and so, you know, let's talk about that. How do you do all of that and balance it? And well, why do you, you do all of that? I can tell you. I can tell you, number one, I do it all because I couldn't do anything else. I mean, just who you are. 
I mean, you, you know, what, were you the person who did the little March of Dime walks and raised money from all your friends and got did the walk and gave it to charity? Were you there? I was like, doing, yeah, I was <laughs> yes, there I did. Okay? I, I did then, that 20-mile walk. Know, I remember that. I was always such a little organizational person. Even my toilet paper wrapping group with my girlfriends was a club. We were the circle <laughs> in club. And the head cheerleader, who was a track star, Debbie Smith, she was the doorbell ringer. That was her office, doorbell ringer. But um and we had a little insignia with shaving cream, circle in the neutrals. Because I don't I've never liked being a role. So we were neutrals. In other words, we liked everybody. We weren't the populars, we weren't the nerds, we weren't the band member you know, we were we were neutrals and we like everybody. So I've always just I love people and I love to be involved and I love to be I'm a natural leader so I mean I'll be the person at the grocery store who makes sure that the person who's trying to cut in line doesn't get to cut in line I mean you know I mean I'm always looking for an opportunity to take a leadership role so um and that's just who I am naturally but you know most of the lawyers who do that were, were like bar association junkies or whatever it's just an opportunity to give back and it's an um, opportunity to create something as far as legacy. I was in law school at my very first little program I did on the, as a, the board of directors for the law student division. I asked the head, the president of the state bar to come and everybody looked at me like, what? You're asking the president? I'm like, why would I not? I mean, I was just that stupid to think. And sure enough, he did come. Yeah. And then you just that, ask. Yeah, that program that I started turned out to, to be the Texas job fair that's gone on for 30 years. I mean, it was the genesis of a law school placement program. So I've done so many things like that. So why I do it is so I can see the things that I create and I can see their life after me. Mm-hmm. You know, my women's group in the ABA, Marianne Williamson was our speaker last year and we did I've done it for the last three years now I've turned it over and I'm I'm tangentially involved you know I'm not gonna let it go under but I'm turning it over so that it can be something that carries on without right, me. right you know right. so I've had a lot of those so how do you balance I mean what's the prioritizing look like for you because you've got to work still and then you've got all these other things no, that you I do don't know why it seems that way to everybody no number one I'm not married Look at all the free time that I have. I mean, that frees me up. Like every time I think about dating, that's I'm like, why we can oh, do, do all need... of this because we're not married. Yes, because you know, do I need another full time job? You know, I need somebody who wants to carry a box. I mean, you know, usually has anybody walked in and said, "What can I do for you lately?" Yeah, you know. No. So yeah, so it's a. It's, and then I don't have children, so these these projects are my babies, and that's where I sow my energy and all my mother energy goes there. So I express my mother energy in a variety of ways without having actual children. I have nieces. I have all the children I represent in my law practice and all my children's charities and things like that. So, you know, I I sew my heart and soul into things. That's so interesting because I have a theory that I use in my other podcast. I just shared it last, um, last week about women that get to a certain age. So they're, if they haven't had children or they're stopped having children, and every woman that I sponsor that gets to this point in her life, I'm like, you need a baby. You've got to have a project. If you do not have a project, your stuff will squeeze out and you're going to act out. And I think that having a project and having something to work on is vital for women to create because we are, we we're created to create. Yeah. And if we're not creating something, it will, it'll squeeze out. Yeah. And other, and other less healthy 
directions. I mean, and it is a journey to becoming self-actualized, you know. And so the the journey towards self-actualization is not... Even men have that, too. It's not just no, women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, men yeah. have to be self... Because right. you know, think about being a husband. That's not exactly the greatest thing on earth. I mean, there's a lot of real lonely men out there. No, they don't share anything with right, their wives. Right. They don't tell their wives right. their fears and their right. hopes and their dreams because she'll yell at them or whatever. I mean, it, it becomes the mundaneness of that get the laundry done, pick up the kids, pay the bills. Um, there's a lot of really lonely people out there, even in marriages. So, you know, your own, your responsibility is to yourself and to be self-actualized and then to realize this is your life and you have to live it the best way you can. We were talking about younger women um, earlier and spreading a message, you know, sharing a message. What is the, what's your message that you want to share with either women in your industry or women, young women as a whole? You know, the thing is, is that women, I don't know, I think about this a lot. I don't know if there's something placed in us to not trust each other, like a genetic distrust, or if it's the competition towards men that causes us to be self-destructive towards each other. Um, But, you know, it's really important, I think, especially in business, for us to stand together. And I made a commitment to myself many years ago when I was the first woman president of Houston Young Lawyers that no matter how women treated me, I was going to be a woman's woman because I thought that was really, really important. And so doing what you know to be right, not based on anybody else's actions. You know, a lot of people make excuses for me. Well, no one's nice to me, so I'm not going to be nice to them. Whatever. You just make a commitment that you're going to be that kind of woman and no matter what. I mean, I didn't have the most women mentors. A lot of women, especially women are When are age, yeah. You know, so, so my question is, in to the younger people, do you have mentors? And if you don't, you need to go ask some. Because mm-hmm. most people will be honored to be a mentor. They right. will take time. But they're not going to come to you and say, yeah. let me mentor they're you. They're not going to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you have to reach out. If you want to mentor, I, I mentor young women all the time. I get, I offer it. They, they ask me. I will say, come over to my office and have coffee. And we sit and talk. And guess what? We're all just winging it. It, you know, you, no, but you, even even now in my law practice, I've been practicing law forever. I still am doing new stuff each and every day that I've never done before. So just because I've been doing it doesn't mean I automatically know all the answers. Right. Yeah. And that's how it was when I was young. I didn't know what I was doing either. But you know, you just learn and you ask questions and you seek out. But having relationships, and that's why I love the organ, the women's organizations. The chances for women to stick together and grow together are real important. I do too I agree with you I mean you know that I love first of all I love groups and then I love the I love women that just sort of you know come together and accomplish something and women do that like naturally and um, it's part of our instinct I think to do it does it play out in the corporate boardroom nah, though? yeah I mean that's yeah See, a woman that is aggressive and successful is still labeled as yes. combative Mm-hmm. Okay. It's Angry. still Yeah, oh yeah. And um, 
it's still not easy for those young women to to stand up to power, to speak truth to power, and to to go ahead and rock the boat a little bit. And I I'm not saying I think everybody should be a flamethrower. I mean, that's not what I'm saying, but you just have to sort of learn to pick your battles. Right, yeah, yeah. I learned uh, how to have girlfriends in 12-step, you know, that's, I had to. I went to meetings and I started sharing who I really was and what I was going through, and that vulnerability created intimacy, mm-hmm. and I think that's a huge part of, you know, having relationships with anybody, you know, but I think with women, women sharing with women, definitely. Yeah, we talked too about the books. There, you have three books out right now. Well, yeah, the my HIPAA book. I'm going to. Um, I've got two books that are published by the American Bar Association. My Defining Moments book is a flagship publication, and then the HIPAA for the general practitioner is a nonfiction. And I'm going to be updating that probably in the next couple of years. But my true love is my fiction. You crossed out yeah, park. Yeah, crossed out park, and I'm writing the sequel Alex, now. What's her Alex name? Stockton. Stockton. Yeah, okay, and yeah. it and the thing is, is what's different about me as a. a like a, a commercial fiction mystery writer type thriller is the social justice, the social impact. That everything is about a social institution and the problems and the good points and you know the the gradation of the of, of what, all that's good about it and all that's bad about it. But then, um, so the next one is about mental health. I'm going to create a world that doesn't exist now, where you can go after doctors that prescribe children the wrong kind of drugs where you can't you know so that's what that that's the cool thing about fiction I can you take, can do this I can take these actual situations that I have just like in Crosstown Park was the CPS reform oh, right you know, Children's Protective Services now we're gonna have some mental health reform so um, I like the social justice aspect of things and also the character development you know the the deeper the more you know yourself and, and right. having that journey to self-love I mean, everybody can walk around and go, "Oh, well, I love myself." Well, really, you know, do you know how is that expressed? I mean, the the journey to self love is not an easy journey no. for any of us. No, it's not. It's a practice. You know, it's a practice. You've got to practice every day that that self love. But I wanted to say, you know, that the fiction novels. What I love about them is, I um, there's another fiction, uh, well, there's a couple of them. Dean Koontz always writes mm-hmm. about the L.A. area. Mm-hmm. So does Jefferson Parker. And you write about Houston. And Houston's such a fabulous You place. write about the streets and the, and the areas. And I was like, oh, where is she right now? And she's talking about this. I, I've got to be able to see this. And I love that part of it, that, famili- that geographical familiarity is just... Yeah, I went back and forth about do I make it like a non-city, non-city or whatever. And, you know, and the thing about writing it that I find so interesting is like sometimes you can sit there and think in your head, well, what should I write about? Or what should my story be about? Or, you know, people tell me, well, Melanie, your character, it's too much of a fairy tale or, you know, you know. You need somebody who's cutting, you know, or something like that. And I'm like, I kind of, I can't contrive it. It has to be my creativity. And you can't write for the market. I mean, you have to write. I believe in order to be successful, you you have to really stay true to yourself and write what your heart tells you to write and the way you want to write it. Because the minute you start trying to be like somebody else or hit some kind of market or hit some kind of fad, I'd rather create. 
off the fads. Track. I'd rather create the fads than try to follow the fads. I yeah. mean, I want to be on the cutting edge of that wave. You know, I don't want to. I want to be in that sweet spot of the wave. I don't want to be behind it. I want to be in front of it, no matter until I die. You know, it's. I'm not planning on getting. I'm not planning on slowing down. So, um, when can we expect? Well, what did so you say it was? Bloody. No, all one blood. All one blood. Yeah. And that's deep. There's some deep, deep, deep stuff. I love the mental health stuff, too. You know, I mean, because we get so much of that at work. We get inquiries about it and, you know, people that complain about not being able to get mental health um, help in jail and things like that, you know. Well, so many of the inmates of jail are, are have suffered and the the mental health thing is on the rise now too. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I think exactly it's the awareness, you know, that people are more aware that you know, I think they used to just think people were nuts, like not, you know, mentally disabled, but, you know, crazy, you know, angry and mad and incurable. And a lot of times it is mental illness that is genetic. And the, here's the big paradox. The medicine can help, but they don't want to take the medicine, and they go off the medicine, and they get decompensated a lot of times. Right. And so that's what the mental health docket is usually consisting of, is people who've decompensated because they've gone off their medicine. What I'm going to tackle in my this, this uh, sequel is uh, the new way of getting money when they get their kid diagnosed as mentally ill. They can get a disability. It, by the time, if your child is age five, if you get the right doctor and the right diagnosis, you can get a check for the kid. And so then you can label your children mentally oh. ill in order to get the money, and then the children get completely left behind. Wow. Next topic, your mindfulness workshops. <laughs> It's such a stretch from yeah, it is no, for I me. It. I mean, but I love that part of you because it's like it is you. Oh, I love it. It is. And it's like it's all encompassing. It's like, you know, attorney and and organizer and leader and, and person in this, you know, woman's you know, pushing for women's rights and for women and then author and then you also do this well it's real spiritual you know it's the whole spiritual thing but I've just really been interested in that for a long long time studied a lot of different things and you know it's just like what you said exactly we have the same language about practice you have to purpose you know and I, I told someone uh, recently I said you know she was like I don't know why I was having sex with my ex-husband you know Really, you know, you're divorced, for, you know, and I just, I told her my, one of my favorite phrases, which is, because it makes her unhappy. It makes her, she's happy for a second, but then she's not happy because they are divorced and it's never going to work. Right. And, and if it's going to work, you know, but, but the thing is, if you want to do that and you know it's a self-destructive habit, then just admit it. I'm right. self-destructive. And, not, and I don't that, know why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make a choice yes, and exactly. own it and own it yes. and say, this is wrong, and but yeah. I'm doing it and I, so I'm not going to be unhappy about it. I mean, but I told her one of my very favorite sayings, and I live by this myself and I'm constantly reminded of it, is when you're at that fork in a road, just like when you're writing, you know, your characters, every scene, the, at the end of each scene, there's a new scene that comes up. So there's a decision. And once you make that decision, you move into a whole new scene. And when you're at that choice, do I do it? Do I not? My saying is, I don't do what feels good. I do what's good for me. 
okay? So it may feel good to go do that, but, but is, is good? that good for you in the long run? And that is a discipline, and that is a training, and that is hard. Now, I, there are areas where I still need to work. I, now, I need to apply that. I've been able to apply that in the man realm pretty well. But in the ice cream realm, I'm still working <laughs> on it, okay? You're still like, yeah, I don't care. It feels yeah, good. Yeah. It's yeah. not good for me. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, because I'll work out just five minutes yeah, longer. Yeah, yeah rationalizations. I love rationalization. But no, you know, in, so, so you create these things where you realize who you are. I mean, you have to take 100% responsibility first and foremost. And so my ears will just prick up. I mean, especially, you know, in a divorce situation. Sometimes I do have to sort of stop a meeting and just, you know, get real intentional and just say, I kind of, I know, don't get mad at me for saying this, but you married him. You know, in other words, he is the father of your children. So, you know, I mean, courts can't legislate people's behavior and we can't make, or even in probate situations, you can't change your, the court is not going to make your brother be good to your mother. Right. You know, I mean, people expect, they, they expect the law system to, is going to change their I mean, behavior. They're not the act right police. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so, so what I do as a lawyer and counselor, so all of my personal growth work is, uh, part of what makes me a better lawyer too because I can understand people's you know I have more empathy for their situations and then I try to help them but you know you find often so often you find that they don't really want they just want you to wave a magic wand and clear up yeah, all the problems right but you know, make your math right. Yeah, sometimes I, I'll tell a client, I'll say, "Well, you know what? I forgot my magic wand today." <laughs> you know, I mean, I really think about the magic wand thing. I'm like, "Where do y'all get with this?" It takes daily work. So if you met my three, these are. I just want to share this because I found this is so wonderful for me. And I, it, you wake up and you meditate for ten minutes, just a short meditation. You don't have to do it perfect. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to have an aha moment. You can sometimes, but just set your intention for the day that way and then do 10 minutes of exercise 10 minutes of meditation 10 minutes of exercise or 20 or add on you know five minutes you know there's things you can do you don't have to go to the gym everybody thinks that they have to go to that it takes so long and they get overwhelmed with all this if you just did 10 minutes small incremental changes over time can produce big results and so but if you do 10 minutes of some kind of sit-ups stretches a little yoga there's all kind there's so many things out there right now that people do not have to you can just go on youtube yeah yeah, there's tons of things but 10 minutes then guess what you're already starting your day off you're a winner You've already exercised. Nobody has to know it's just 10 minutes, but that will get your blood pumping. That will make you feel better. That will get you. And then success begets success. Right. You will slowly but surely add on five minutes of arm weights. And then you'll, you know, it, it, it success will get better and better. And then before you leave the house, just have a little gratitude ritual. Just while, you know, you're grabbing your coat out of your closet, you're walking down the street. Gosh, I thank you for this beautiful home. Oh, I love my photo. Oh, God, isn't that pretty? You know, just really appreciating what you have now. Appreciating things as they are now. Those three things done every day before you leave the house, I have found that they have reshaped my days. 
and help me sleep better at night. I mean, the, the level of my clients, the kind of clients that I'm getting, I'm just blown away at these amazing people that, that I, have, I have so many things in common with them. They're mindfulness people or they're health people or their wife owns a Pilates shop or their husband is a children's author. Or, I mean, just all these amazing things that have been, and I've just been looking at what is different now how is all this happening now? And I realize that those it's little simple practices that, that I've intentionally done. So a lot of people write, oh, and it's always a, they're managing from crisis to crisis. Right. You know, instead of doing, it's setting this up because then you don't have the crises. Yeah, as much. You know, you do, you still do, but you can look at it when you're mindful, you still have the crisis, but it's almost as if it's a movie screen over there that doesn't really affect. Your, you know, the enjoyment. You can still have a great day, but you don't spin off. Everything can go into hell in a handbasket, you know. But I just, my last column, my mindfulness column for uh, last month was something I'm real excited about. It's about ghost peppers. I I am so into ghost peppers and to really? the Carolina Reaper. There's a whole chili head movement, and there's a, <laughs> there's a really cool book, a uh, really cool book called It Burns, and it's an Audible original. And it's I accidentally ate and got I had a ghost pepper. We were in a, a Chinese restaurant, and there was a sushi roll that one of the pieces had a ghost pepper in it. Now everybody at the table knew that there was go- what ghost peppers were. I didn't. I thought it was like a Neiman Marcus gift card or something. I didn't know what it was. So whenever the last piece was there and I started to grab it, somebody said, well, that's the one with the ghost pepper. And I went, you know, who cares? I mean, I had no idea what it was. Well, it was really, really bad. I actually thought I was going to die. I saw the ambulance coming. I was not going to live long enough to get my next book out. I mean, it was just really not a good experience. But it was over in about 10 minutes and then we were laughing and talking and it was a memory, you know, after the 10 minutes of misery. So um, the ghost peppers of our lives, I mean, like, a lot of times people are addicted to the adrenaline right. of their stress. Of the like chaos. in other words, if they don't have ten fights with right. their wife every week, they're not gonna be happy. Right. Things are gonna be boring. Right. Or if they don't, you know, have what all just pick your pick it drama, 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 drama. Yeah, mm-hmm. anything. It can be work and it's in you it's usually all everybody else's fault. You know that. Yes. Yeah. But but so I said, What what are the ghost peppers in our lives and how are we dealing with it? Because I feel like the practice of mindfulness doesn't necessarily take away your love of eating ghost peppers if you're one of those people who likes that adrenaline rush. I mean, I admit it. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I like, you know, I like the preparing for trial. I like getting excited about the cases. I like the satisfaction of completion of things. But, um, you know, so if you are addicted to ghost peppers and you love what hurts us, and if we do, acknowledge it and then the practice of mindfulness will take the edge off of those ghost peppers is what I'm trying to say you, I'm not saying you have to, people think oh well if I'm mindful then all of a sudden I'm just going to be this boring zen person and I'm not going to get to wear lipstick anymore you know no you can still be colorful you can still be dramatic you can still have fun you can still do all those crazy things you love to do it's just that they won't be as damaging to you because you're modulating them within a framework that is more right. healthy you see what I'm saying? Yes. So totally. I just love it's the whole... not gonna take you out. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's like the bad relationship. You know, you can't protect yourself from it. 
But if you do come across another one, it won't take you out. You know, we all have we all have our own ghost peppers. You know, you forget to drop your kid off, you forget to pick your kid up at school. You know, things like that. There's a lot of different things. That can Mine happen. is forgetting to put something on my boss's calendar. You know? Oh, oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, I know, I know. You know, I do love to slide into home plate with some strawberries. I mean, we that I you know I get it done. If I think about it for, and then I get it done at the last minute. That's how writing is. You know, that's a it's a it's a process for me. I mean, I would love to be able to say, oh, I get up every day and I write for two hours. Or you know, no, it it it, it I have to feel moved, and then but it usually ends up working out, and it's usually right before the deadline, the drop dead deadline. Okay, you inspire, motivate, teach. So, who teaches you? Oh God, everybody. The the It Burns book taught me a lot. I learned a lot from that. Uh, Jack Canfield is one of my great mentors. I love him so much. You know, that's with the teaching and learning. You know, when I was a law school professor, one of my students came up to me and said, um, why do you teach? And without even thinking, I said, because I love to learn. So it's a symbiotic relationship. And with young people that I mentor, they mentor me. They keep me young. I learn from them. I learn new ways of doing things. So the, I think the point is to keep stay open, um, stay adjusted. I'm reading that uh, Ronan Farrow book right now. Just love that. Of course, I love all the news and stuff like that. And I love movies. And um, just I love a lot of different things. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Any last words? Oh, we're almost done. Obviously. We are. It flies by so fast. It does. Oh, just, just that I really appreciate you for everything that you're doing and for your desire to communicate your message because it is a message that people need to hear and the insightfulness that you have and the compassion and the caring is, is going to help a lot of people. So I'm just honored oh, to be that. here. I, I'm honored to have you. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, this is this has been Melanie Bragg. Why, where can we find you? Where, okay. So I've got MelanieBragg.com for my author stuff, and then I've got BraggLawPC.com for my law stuff. So if you want to get in touch with the attorney, it's BraggLawPC. If you want to get in touch with the author, it's MelanieBragg.com. Yeah. And, and it's B-R-A-G-G. Yeah, not, no, no brag, just fact. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you, sweetie. All right, we'll be All back. Right. <laughs> okay, until next time, if you guys have any questions, please email us at themeadowreport at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook and Instagram at The Meadow Report. It's always helpful to like and share and subscribe. Mm-hmm.